0: Proceeded to rest himself and let you. At first, I told him time to pray about it, but my first thought was absolutely not. I have never preached before. The most I've spoken in public really is maybe a best man speech, and I don't even know how to prepare for a sermon. Um, but then yesterday, Okay, so yesterday morning, actually, I told him that I wouldn't be able to do it because there just wasn't enough time to prepare for it and um, that he would need to try to find someone else. But then on the way to actually on the way to love life yesterday morning, I was listening to a sermon by Francis Chan. And of course, I was convicted. What else did I expect listening to one of his sermons? And he was talking about self and about how we make everything about ourselves. And I just felt convicted that I needed to forget about myself and wanting to prepare something that people would enjoy. Because I did have something on my heart, something that I've been thinking about a lot for the past um, quite a while, and uh, yeah, so I texted him back and said, hey, if you haven't found someone else yet, um, I would be willing to do that. Um, so I'm wondering what are you here for this morning? Whether we realize it or not, we're all adding something to our lives. We're all building um, by the things that we do, by the way that we live our lives. We are building something. And I don't know. I'm not not an orator. I'm not a big-name speaker. And I may stumble over my words and confuse all of us. But the comforting truth is... That what you need from me is not an eloquent speech. What you need from me is to be here with a broken and contrite heart. And to, for me to be humble and willing for God to use me as he sees fit. Um, so let's just pray again um, before I start. Lord. You know the things that you've placed on my heart this morning. You know what this body needs. You know what every single person here this morning needs. You know that I'm incapable of bringing that for them. Even if I were able to sway them to... um, To sway them emotionally and to make them feel a certain thing. Whatever I say can't reach their hearts, Lord. But you, your Holy Spirit, can bring about that change. Give me wisdom, Lord. And help us to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, honestly... I never realized what I was missing out on by not hardcore studying the Bible. Um, of course, I have read it through multiple times. I've read it all my life. I've listened to thousands of sermons and podcasts. But there was something so different about digging deep and studying on a single topic for hours. That was so profound and faith building. And I just prayed that the Holy Spirit would enable me. Um, to convey some of that this morning. If you would, please open your Bibles to Matthew 7. And I want to read some of the uh, last few verses, 24 to 27. So this was after Jesus, at the point where Jesus was finishing his Sermon on the Mount, and he ends it by saying this. He says, therefore, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, says, therefore, because of everything that I have said, in light of everything that I've said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Look at someone beside you and say, you are building a house. Do it. <laughs> it's fun. I'm up here and I can make you do stuff. <laughs> we're in the title of my sermon today is the house you are building. We're all building something with our lives. These were tremendously weighty words that Jesus ended this sermon with, this absolutely, um, could we say, insane level of ethics, this insane level of um, righteousness that surpassed even everything that the law had to offer and had to um, guide them in. All my life. I believe that trials strengthen us, that we go through hard things. And there's probably no one in here who hasn't gone through some hard thing or another in their lives. I mean, we all do. And I don't want to be morbid, but if you haven't yet, you will. And it's just, it's a fact of life. It's a fact of living here in a fallen world. So the point is not of saving ourselves from hard things. The point is, when those hard things come, will the life that we have built, the foundation that we have built it on, will it stand firm? Or will it fall with a great fall, with a great destruction? So all my life I believe that those those foundations are built during the storm. But according to what Jesus is saying here, That is not entirely true and possibly even a dangerous lie. I think it only has the effect of strengthening us because it reveals what was hidden and we have more confidence when facing the next difficulty. I think there is a sense in which um, it strengthens us maybe... um, Coming out of a hard time, but when we hit hard times, we need to have a foundation that will stand the force of the storm. But listen again to what Jesus was saying. He, Jesus, said that whoever hears his instructions and follows them is already, it's a present tense, is building a strong foundation. But the one who hears and does not obey it is already, present tense, building on sand. It all looks the same until the storm washes away the superficial covering, the superficial um, dirt maybe around the foundation. And then you see what was truly built on the rock, and it suffers a great destruction. Those houses look the same, and probably both of the builders never intended for their house to fall people don't just go out and build a house or i hope people don't just go out and build a house intending for it to fall and yet the and yet it happens not because of what was done so much as what was not done the interesting thing about lousy houses Is not what is done that makes the house collapse. It's actually what's not done. And we're all probably familiar with the verse in Numbers that says, Be sure your sin will find you out. But interestingly, do you know what sin that God was actually referring to? It was when the children of Israel were getting ready to go into Canaan. The tribes who were staying on the east side made a promise to go back with the rest of them into the land of Canaan and to fight. And they said, we will go, we will first build fortified cities to save our people, to keep our people safe while we're gone. Then we will go with you into the land of Canaan and we will help you fight the giants. And then after you have all received your inheritance in the land of Canaan, then we will return. So Moses said to them, and this is in Numbers 32, If you do this, if you will take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, and every man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then after that you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord And be sure your sin will find you out. It was actually a sin of doing nothing. That was sure to be found out. If they did not follow through on their promise. Which is the same thing that's happening. When we build um, a house without putting down a foundation on Jesus Christ. Um, On an interesting side note, Jesus may also have been referring to a verse in the Old Testament in Proverbs that says, When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. A storm was the biggest force that they knew of back in that time. And it's clear that whether we have faced that or will still face that and even if not until the day of judgment, everything that we're building, the life, the choices will be shaken um, in that day. In Luke chapter 17, when Jesus is talking about the day of the Lord, he inserts a phrase, almost um, just inserts the phrase, remember Lot's wife. He's talking about one person being taken in that day and the other left. And he just inserts that statement in there, remember Lot's wife wife. Because, and I think the, the reason that that was inserted there is because we may think that in that day we will make the choice to leave. We will make the choice in that moment to flee to, um, as Lot did. But Jesus puts in there, remember Lot's wife, because the fact is that foundations are built before that day comes. The foundations are being built now. When they, were escaping, when they were escaping Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot hesitated a little bit before going in Genesis 19. But it says that his wife lingered behind and then looked back and turned into salt. Her heart was set on earthly things. And she was married to Lot. They both presumably lived in the same house, had a family together. But on that day, when... The wrath of God was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was revealed that her heart was still in. Was still attached there. When Abraham. When Abraham was traveling. And following God and sojourning. And traveling through the land. Hebrews 11, In it uh, talks about in Hebrews 11, and Abraham understood that any earthly dwelling was temporary and any earthly promise he might pursue would pass away. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and when he went out not knowing where he was going, By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So he lived his whole life traveling, looking for that promise that God had given him, looking for that city that wouldn't wouldn't pass away, whose builder and maker was God. And we're doing the same thing. We're either doing what what Lot's wife was doing. We can be in the church. We are all in church. And it comes down to Where our hearts are and how the choices that we're making and where we're putting down foundations. But there's a cost with both of those. There's a cost with living the way that Lot's wife did with her heart and her life. um, Being founded on earthly things and there's a cost associated with living how Abraham did and being And living as an alien in the land um, that he was traveling in, looking for something beyond, something above what was around him and what the people around him were seeking. The, The rich young ruler who came to Jesus had accumulated so much that the cost of losing What he had already built was too much to give up for the eternal kingdom. He comes to Jesus and says, what must I do? Jesus gives him all these things. And he's like, I have done all these things, but what what more? And Jesus, knowing his heart, says... Hey, sell all that you have. Build on an eternal foundation. Because he knew that the rich young ruler's heart was in those possessions that he had. All foundations are not equal. And we have to count the cost and the value as we're building our lives. Paul said this according in first Corinthians chapter three, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder. I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's not saying that no one can build on anything else. He's saying this is the only true foundation that won't be shaken in that day when the storm comes. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Even after the foundation is laid, there is only one true foundation, which is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But even after that point, there are choices that we make as we are living our lives. There are choices that we make that are building on that foundation In that day, at the end, when earth and all that we know passes away, it will be revealed what we're building and how, what foundation we built on, and what building materials it was that we used to build. And we have to understand That we're choosing those things now. In 2 Corinthians. Paul talks about how we don't lose heart in temporary affliction. Knowing that we look for eternal things that are not built with hands. Because we know that if the earthly tent which is our house now is torn down. We have a building from heaven. A house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. He's appealing to to us he's appealing to the Corinthians to to build and to place our hope and our trust in this heavenly home this heavenly house that will remain but we have to make this practical and We have to realize that for us to build houses that withstand the worst of storms, it's crucial that it becomes practical, that we know how this applies to our own lives. Because we know that in this moment, in our daily lives, we're building foundations, we're choosing foundations and we're building the houses that are our lives. But I'm concerned That it's so easy and so many of God's people, so many people who call themselves Christians, and quite possibly even some of us here, are building houses that will not stand in that day. That will not stand when the storms hit. But how do we know, how do we know, how can we know that we're building something that will stand? How can we know that we're not being deceived in the things that we believe and the things that we're choosing? How can we know that we are building on a foundation, that we have a house that will stand in that day? And we can talk about it all day long. We love to make it theological, what does it mean in the Hebrew and the Greek? And we love to debate it. We love to make it philosophical. How does it change our lives? How, what, do, what difference does it make in our community? And even among some, they love to make it mythological. Those were stories from back then that have no bearing on our lives today. And that was all back then. Sure, there may have been some moral Um, Good in the teachings of Jesus, but today we don't worry about that. Um, We choose our own path forward. As long as we only speak of it. We're the foolish man who is building on the sand, we debate it, we sing it. But are we willing to act on it to put the full weight of our life and hope On it it's really what it means to believe in jesus Is to put our hope And our life to to put our to hang our lifeline On what he has done Has promised And has called us to And This foolish man who's building on the sand he wasn't someone who had never heard the gospel. He wasn't someone who had never been to church. He was probably at church every Sunday, probably in the synagogue. But come Monday, it's not applicable. It's not practical. In our day and age, we can't live this way. It's and we start making excuses. And I have to say here There are a lot of false teachings about Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Some will say it's a list of things just to show us how we fall short of what God requires so that it would drive us to the cross, that it would drive us to trust in Jesus, and that it was never really intended to be a reality in our lives. There are others who will say that, This is a higher standard and we need to live by it. And it's turned into another list of do's and don'ts and commandments. And they burden people down. But neither of these are true. God's commandments are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But his commandments are not empty. It's not just poetry. It's not just good moral um, teaching. It is the word of God and it is his calling for us. That would be a a whole other sermon entirely. But the secret lies in coming humbly to God and saying, not my will, but your will be done. And as we continue doing that in every area that he reveals to us, we see that these things that seemed so utterly, ridiculously impossible grow supernaturally in our lives. We say yes with our words and our actions, and he brings forth the fruit. But practically speaking, how do we know that we're not being deceived? How do we know for sure that our lives are being built on Christ and that we're building with materials that will hold up through the storm? Is it even possible for us to be deceived or do we pray a prayer? Go on with our lives and. We magically end up in heaven someday, and what we do between now and then has no bearing is no proof. And no consequence as it relates to the teachings of Jesus we can be deceived we can there will be people in that day who say lord lord haven't we done all these things and Jesus says, actually, also in Matthew chapter seven, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. So I just want to look at just a few things. At, few, at a few of the foundational ways that want, that we might be hearers only and not doers. A few of the foundational ways that we might be deceived into thinking that we're building on a foundation that is strong, that is actually going to wash away. You could almost say that these are cracks in our foundations, cracks in the houses that we're building, that cause structural damage and keep us from having a strong foundation and a strong house. And we talked about this in Steve's Sunday school session this morning, one of those foundational cores is hidden sin in our lives, sin that we are not willing to give up either because we're not tired of it yet or because we believe it will cost too much to bring it into the light. It's probably fine Other people are probably doing it too. Other people would probably not understand what I'm going through. The pressure is just too much. Don't they see the world that I have to live in? Don't they see all these things? It's just too much. Everybody does it. I'll never get over this. Nobody needs to know. Like Don was saying this morning, I don't want to Harm God's reputation by bringing this into the light. As long as that remains hidden in our lives, it's a crack in our foundation, if we even have a foundation. Openness and honesty. Within the body of christ is the reinforcement in the structure the rebar the steel bars that bind us together The love that jesus said we would be known by is possible by the supernatural unity and grace that comes from the spirit of god within us But we can't be connected with the body if satan can convince us to hide sin and live double lives How am I so sure of this? Maybe this is just me uh, preaching Maybe this is just a radical idea and nobody actually should do this. And it's completely unrealistic. Listen to this. John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think we could say here that he's... Basically saying the same thing as, I am the light of the world. He who builds their life on me will not build in darkness, but will have the light of life. Illuminating, shining, and bringing life. Psalm 32. When David's sin with Bathsheba was exposed. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly Pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood, there's that storm. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Jesus hadn't come yet. And God was the only one David could confess his sin to. Today, we have each other as well. We have the body of Christ, and James tells us to confess our sins to each other so that we can be healed. Now, I'm not advocating that we install a confessional here in church. But if there's something in our lives that we can't get victory over, we need to find trusted friends who can encourage us, admonish us, and pray for us so that we can be healed. So that those cracks in our foundation can be healed. Another one. That would deceive us. Is materialism. I don't remember exactly what the quote was. I was listening to a podcast. um, By Jonathan and He was talking about how they went to Haiti. And. Voodoo witchcraft is such a big thing down there, even though people, apparently a lot of them, are actually professing Christians. And there was some sort of saying, and I'm not sure if this was something that was common down there or if this was something he just observed, but that Haiti is 60% Protestant, 40% Catholic, and 100% voodoo. They believe in God, but God is slow, and we want things faster. So we also practice witchcraft. And he said in America. Something along the lines of we're 60 percent Christian, 40 percent atheist and 100 percent materialistic. Sure. Yeah, we believe in a heavenly kingdom. Sure. Yeah, that that's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible says. We believe in a heavenly kingdom. But in the meantime, because he might not see what I'm going through. He might not see what's coming. um, He might not see that there's a recession coming. He might not see that I need this um, money for whatever. He might not see that I need security at least while I'm here. I need to store up so that my children have a good life. And then... Your children grow up hearing that and they save up so that their children can have a good life. And their children save up so that their children can have a good life. And the cycle continues and we build things for ourselves. I'm not saying everybody should sell all that they have. Maybe you should. But we have to hold it with an open hand. We have so much and everything is overinsured, protected against. We make sure that God can't touch our possessions. Why? Because we think that at some point we are going to lose possessions when God is looking the other way. Someday, when God is not looking, something will happen, I will have an accident, and something will happen, and God was looking the other way, and now God is in a pickle. And I gave too much, I spent too much of my time and resources living for something where I don't see the rewards of it yet. And so we build a buffer around everything. Because Dave Ramsey says we should. Sorry. And one more thing that we must watch out for. We live in an age where self is considered the highest reality, truth, and value. It's considered hateful. To say that there's only one foundation and that it's found in Jesus Christ. Thankfully, this one shouldn't surprise us since Paul already warned Timothy about this almost 2000 years ago. But realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. This one manifests itself in different ways. Self-love. Just... Because we're supposed to love each other, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We say, oh, well, I don't feel good about myself. So how am I supposed to love my neighbor? I don't like what I see when I look in the mirror. So I'm going to have to work on that before I can love others. not what the verse is saying at all. We're already thinking about ourselves all the time. And. We have to get that we have to get our view of ourselves from. What God has to say and not what we feel about ourselves. As we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, as we build our lives for an eternal purpose, self fades into the distance. Moral relativism. Well, we can't really know what's right and wrong. There is no one foundation. You have your right way of doing things. I have my right way of doing things. And you can't tell me that the way that I'm doing things is right side up. You can't tell me that the way that I'm doing things is built on a, on a solider foundation than what you're building on and building with. Nobody knows. And we're just getting started with this one in society. It's so quickly becoming worse and worse. Truth has turned from objective into subjective. Well, it's only true if I experience it that way. It's only true if it feels that way to me. And before we know it, we have eroded, we have it's like we're sitting on the tree branch and cutting it off. It's like we're standing at a lighthouse and shooting missiles at the base. It's like we're in a tunnel and shoveling dirt behind us to clog the, to clog the tunnel behind us because we don't want to be affected by something that sets a course in a singular direction. We want to do what we want to do. Nobody tells us we love ourselves and we love to do what we want to do. But it's temporary. It's all passing away. And if we build on it, it will fall and the destruction will be great. We need to be honest with ourselves and those around us. What is it that we're building on? Will the houses of our lives withstand the storm? Are we open to do the instructions of Jesus and not simply to listen? Are we willing to walk in the light to expose everything That we need to be healed from. Are we willing to say no to the desire to store up treasures on earth. To make sure that we live our best lives now. Are we willing to stand on the truth of scripture and say that you know what no matter what culture says. No matter what culture says. This is True, this is my one foundation. If we have cracks in our foundation, it's going to fail us eventually. If we have cracks in the house that we're building, the floods are going to get to it eventually. We may be able to fool everyone else and even ourselves for... Quite a long time, but we never deceive God and we never escape reality and the consequences of where and how we choose to build. It will be revealed in that day. The good news of the gospel is this. That as long as we have breath, we still have opportunity to act on the call and promises of God to forsake everything and follow him. To build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And he welcomes all of us to be joined with him. To build something that will last for eternity. After all that we see here is long gone. That will remain. Jude says this and I'm just about done. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to us, in the last times there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved... Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. To our only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Hebrews 12: See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. So that those things which cannot be shaken remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Brothers and sisters, family of God, children of God. The alarm has been sounded. Earth, everything in it, will pass away. We must build elsewhere. We must build on the foundation which is Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, give us wisdom, give us humility. To walk in openness before you, being honest with you and with your body about where we fall short. Lord, that we would not look at each other in condemnation, but Lord, that when those things are exposed, that we would help each other, that we would build each other up in the most holy faith, striving together to build things of eternal value. Lord, if there are words that I spoke today of my own um, initiative, if there are words today that I spoke in pride, if there are words that I spoke today that are out of line with your character and your word, Lord, I pray that you would make people forget them as they walk out of here. Lord, but if I spoke words that are coming from your heart, if I spoke words That are important for your church to hear. Oh God, I pray that you would bring conviction. Not condemnation, because I know that's not from you. But conviction that points. That has clear direction of the road that you want us to walk. Clear direction of your instructions. So that we can be doers and not hearers only. Lord, be with us as we go from this place. We desire to honor and glorify you in everything that we do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.